0: Uh, hey John, how's it going? How, how you been?
1: I, I, I've been all right. Uh, it's 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 getting to that time of year where it's raining all the time, and I don't yeah. like it. I, I really don't
0: like it. I'm a anti rain person. You are weak, and I will feast on your corpse. <laughs> uh, I love it. When, I love it when it's raining out. I prefer it to when it's like just blasting 100, de- 100 degree sun uh-huh. all week. Um, because it means that uh, even though it's humid and awful, I at least get to have my window open a little bit because it's cooler. Maybe that makes me a psycho. I don't know. Yeah. How, how, you, how you been? Been up to anything fun recently? I've
1: been chilling. I've been watching TV shows. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the first thing I I finished up after our last recording is, uh, the, the last bit of Stranger Things came out. And I watched that. Uh, it was fun. I'm a, I'm a Stranger Things fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know about I, you. You probably hate it. Or something. I, d- I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> come on, come on. I, I
0: watched the first season like when it came out and it was the big thing. And mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. And then they announced the second season. And I was like, oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. I, I read the original pitch book. When, when it uh-huh. when it like started circ- circulating online like a, g- a good like five years ago uh and it was originally supposed to be like a one season show and then if it they if it had success they in the pitch book it was like yeah if 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 people like it we'll do like a like a movie follow-up and then that'll be it that'll be the entire plot and uh-huh. and here we are season four volume two. <laughs>
0: Isn't it kind of weird that Netflix now is like known for like doing a season of a show and then canceling it, and meanwhile, Stranger Things is like on season four, volume two. It's
1: because it's because Stranger Things is the the only thing that makes them money or something. Yeah, it, it's it's the only thing they actually like have like merchandise for, like. If any any other show, you will not see like a like a toy, but but Stranger Things, you, you I went to the store the other day and I saw a wall of like Stranger Things branded toy flashlights,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like, "Damn, these things must sell like hotcakes somewhere that is not here."
0: Yeah, uh- I'm pretty sure that like if you like if you go to a GameStop or something, that Stranger Things is going to be the only Netflix branded merchandise or one of very few
1: yeah but i liked it i like i I, I like the new stuff uh i I wasn't that big of a fan of seasons two and three Mm -hmm. it it felt like they lost me uh but but season four was big and bold and dumb plot stuff happens and i was like okay i'm i'm interested again
0: that's Uh, cool you like to see a series get back on its feet
1: yeah uh other other big thing that i've been watching is the boys which i've been posting about
0: yes uh I <laughs> i am a I'm a big the boys fan uh I've been kind of obsessed with it uh recently i, I I'm kind of disappointed in
1: myself for sleeping on it for so long uh l- like I said after our, our last recording session uh I was aware of the comics back in the day and when I heard they were making a show uh i I remembered all the panels where homelander says the n-word and I was like <sighs> I don't know if I want to watch that. <laughs> So I, I, I decided to hold off on it and then uh my girlfriend's really into it. So I decided to give it a give it a chance. And I'm glad I did because the the show seems to handle its its politics and edginess a lot better than the comics does.
0: <laughs> I haven't read the comics, but I will say, I will say for sure that I think that the show is like a very, very good thing to point to if you want to be like, this is how you do a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, so you watched the first season of it?
1: Yeah, I, I've completed the, the first season and I've watched four episodes of the second season.
0: Ah, so, so you've watched the part of the second season that's, uh, everybody sits in a basement and is sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that really is just what happened. <laughs> Kinda that that's a lot a lot of criticism of the second season comes down to, but uh if you are currently sitting on S two E four, uh you got a bit of a roller coaster ahead of you. Shit gets I, I, crazy.
1: I was actually planning on like watching the entirety of the second half like af- after we recorded today. My god.
0: Good luck. Good luck.
1: I, I, I really can't wait. I, I find Homelander so fascinating because like he his, his conceptually he's scary. But then he'll, like, do things like shove a kid off a roof and be really into milk and mommy play stuff. It's... it's, He's... It's insane. Homelander's insane.
0: (laughs) I think Du Bois is, like, a really great because one of the things that makes it so great, uh, obviously, is Homelander. And, like, the way that Homelander is a depiction is, like, a satire of, like, real life, like, the corrupting influence of power and like what it does to people and like how bad it can fuck you up um and the way that it shows that is that he's like a complete monster and he's also like a weird like horny twitter pervert yeah like he is both simultaneously the most he's like superman he's like if superman was just like an angry like seven account follower on twitter like had that had like that kind of demeanor sometimes
1: I I need to show you an insane post that I saw on Twitter last night. The... Uh I I could not wrap my mind around this. I... This is
0: bizarre. Is is Homelander not the villain of the show? (laughs) I think that, um... So so, John has just linked a meme that is, uh, it is the I believe in uh female supremacy meme, but it is replaced with I believe in anti-hero supremacy. And among the characters on there are is Homelander from the Boys, probably a lot of other guys who suck. I'm not sure. I haven't uh, watched many of these. I think I see the Punisher in there.
1: Uh, Magneto's um, on here, which I find wild. I
0: oh yeah, Magneto's <laughs> there. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. I think that one of the interesting things about the boys and, like, it being a culturally relevant thing, and one of the reasons that I'm so glad that I'm, like, into it when it's relevant is that we're seeing the, like, you miss the point by idolizing them phenomenon happen again in real time. God. Like,
1: it, the,
0: Homelander is just, like, the worst guy ever, and so many people think he's, like, this super badass. um, Insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, not to just talk about Homelander, like, I, I feel like I I love, I just love this show in general. I feel like it has like a really um solid ensemble cast. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like everyone in that show just does so fucking well with Matilda the Given. I, I it's truly one of those things where like I don't expect uh to go into like a TV show or whatever and be like oh I like this this much, but I would sincerely give it a a big recommendation. Anybody looking for something to watch, it is on Amazon Prime. And uh probably some other websites too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Um got anything else going on? Uh I don't know. I um I have not been getting up to a ton. Uh right now, uh right and literally right now, uh, my roommate are hosting a friend over, so uh shout out to uh friend of the pod, uh Eileen. Um, that's cool. I guess I'm i blowing off time with of my friends to record my stupid podcast. See
1: anything else going on?
0: Today's the last day of the Steam Summer Sale. Oh my God! What did you buy on the Steam Summer Sale?
1: Um,
0: Haiti. I.
1: <laughs> no, I said I bought that a while ago, but it was oh, probably right, right, right. it was probably during a Steam Summer Sale. Um, let me let me let me scroll through my new to library games. Uh, I got. I got Doom 3 BFG Edition. Cool. Uh, i never played Doom 3. Uh, that's the one that comes with... Uh, Doom 1 and 2. Like, as a part of it. So I was mm-hmm. like, sure. I'll get those. Yeah. Um, those games are pretty good. I got Doom 64. That game's pretty good. I got... Uh, the, the Wolfenstein Classic uh, Collection. Which comes with... Uh, Spear of Destiny, Wolfenstein 3D, and Return to Castle Wolfenstein. I'm noticing a pattern. Uh-huh, you are. Uh I got the the Fallout Classic Collection, which comes with Fallout 1, 2 and Tactics. hmm And then I got the Heretic and Hexen collection. Which which comes with Heretic and Hexen I'm, and Hexen 2.
0: I'm, I'm gonna do you a favor. Uh Hexen fucking sucks, don't bother.
1: <laughs> Listen, my girlfriend said that she played them when she was a kid and she loved them, and I was like, okay, I'll try them out.
0: That's that's fair, I guess. In my experience with all of the classic in-software games, um, all the Doom games that I played are really good. Uh, Wolfenstein is just kind of old, mm-hmm. and uh, Heretic and Hexen just feel like they were butting off of or they could shoot with an engine that you can't look up and down in. <laughs> I, yeah. I, as for, I, I, All I got in the same summer so I think, were like I got the PC versions of like Final Fantasy Seven and Nine, Seven because I've never played it. It's my favorite. And I got the PC port of Sekiro because I tried to play that game on PS Four a while back and I did not have a good time with the PS Four experience. Yeah. Uh, but I've been playing it on PC and it is very, very good. Hell yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of it. I don't know. We're ten minutes in. Uh, do you want to talk about Homestuck?
1: Enough about video games.
0: Enough about all this fucking bullshit. Video games, TV. Let's talk about Homestuck. Let's let's, talk- let's, ki- let's 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 kill Candy.
1: Let's let's wrap it up. Let's let's talk about the end of
0: Candy. The last hundred pages or so of it. All right. Well, uh, we may recall that last time uh, we saw Vriska, as in Meet Vriska is in Homestuck uh Vriska. Relevant Vriska. Relevant Vriska fell out of the sky um in front of John and still still uh crying uh that she needs to see the af- the 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 outcome of the battle against Lord English. Um so we come back into uh epilogue seven, uh not there, uh but with a quick uh check-in with Calliope, uh Aradia and Solix. Um, calliope or jade calliope delivers a short uh ominous uh proclamation that the one that she's been waiting for uh is coming um and they have to go and meet him at the site of where he falls and they don't have much time
1: i wonder who that could be
0: i i like uh the way she describes it as the chaos war is about to begin it's, it's
1: like the hardest shit of all time and it, i feel like it almost doesn't do it justice because we don't see the chaos war
0: It's so funny. I love this. I'm going to start describing things as a chaos war from now on. It's a very good phrase. Yeah. Um, okay. So just that quick check in with uh, whatever's going on over there. Um, we then go to uh chapter 30. Um, we join in on the site of Jane of one of Jane's, uh, Imperial warships. Um, And our our character we follow today is Jake. Uh, And we see Jake approaching Jane with his tail between his legs, um, bearing the grim news that of all of our tragic cast of characters that could have been, poor, sweet Dad Crocker has taken a rocket launcher for the president and has been tragically completely obliterated.
1: It's so sad yet <laughs> really funny.
0: <laughs> it's so sad, but also he he got fucking blown up by a, a rocket launcher. Um, there's some there's some inherent comedy to that. It, it when you're just writing it down in a book. Um, yeah. Uh, Jane does not take this well. Um, she basically uh at this news goes entirely mask off or just doesn't feel like maintaining her image anymore and uh, declares war on all of Trollkind and that they all must be wiped out uh, because they are violent insects uh, who cannot be negotiated with. Um, Gamzee, uh, who is still present, because why would he not be, uh, tries to chill her down with some of their usual uh, unpleasant play? Yeah, I don't know what we want to call it. Just call it play. Yeah, Gamzee tries to reach Jane, but she is, Jane is so uh, legitimately uh, shaken up by this event that not even Gamzee's honeyed words will snap her out of it. And, uh... He really... He, Gamzee really uh, brings himself down. Uh, he prostrates himself in front of Jane to uh, beg for his inclusion in her genocidal designs. Um, pleading with her that at the end of the day um, he needs her, and... More than anything, he can't sleep without holding on to a motherfucker.
1: Damn.
0: <laughs> he really I hate said it. the same. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, it is not enough. Uh, Jane does not buy his bullshit and is disgusted with is disgusted with him at the end of the day, and he is removed from the ship. Uh, she banishes him with a uh final incisive be gone clown uh so yeah that happens um do you think there's something uh do you think there's something some commentary in here on like gamzy trying to the the outcome of trying to be one of the good ones uh maybe um cuz like I I I think that I speak for many readers, uh, when I say that I am a little bit unclear on the scope of Gamzee and Jane's relationship. Yeah. Uh, but I think that a way that you could read this, that's like very easy to the, to see it is, is like trying to be Jane's uh right hand man. Like you know, there's the whole thing where Harry Anderson talks about how, uh, or Tavros talks about how. Gamsey always talked about being politically neutral. Um yeah. and like I, I would be I, I I would be a lot more comfortable in saying that is just definitely uh definitely trying to tell that kind of uh story. Um if Gamsey had been more if like Gamsey had not had a thing he had been doing with the whole redemption art preaching that I doesn't I don't know how to gel that with this specifically. Yeah. If that's like the same if, if it's if the Gamzee making all of the ghost trolls make out was like part of it like part of the same umbrella of Jane's designs or what um but I I like yeah there's I, there's one way you could read this is like Gamzee has tried to snuggle up to his oppressor and win her over that way and that has ended with, and then that pays off with the reveal that she thinks of him the same way that she thinks of the rest of them. It's just that she has sex with him, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I have a hard time feeling bad for Gamzee. Uh, but
1: what do you mean he he even <laughs> he even says the the line directly from Four Chords right here. He, <laughs> you got to cut him some slack. You're supposed to care about him. No. Do do I have to bring back the panel and make you look at it so you feel bad for
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> it will not make me feel bad for it. Here, look at it. That. Look at it. I I've got it preloaded <laughs> right here. <laughs> no. Oh, thanks. I hate it. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah. Uh, Gamzee and Jane are longer no longer a thing. Jane is uh has is outward in her convictions that every troll has to die. Um. Yeah, that's where we're at. Not, not things are not looking great politically speaking. Yeah. you hate to see it. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. So we go. So, uh, chapter thirty one. Uh, we go back to uh, John and the newly the newly fallen Vriska. Um, John welcomes Vriska to Earth C. Um. Tragically, uh, Vriska is demoted to parentheses Vriska since Earth C already has a. Its own uh, native uh, riska Prime, um, just kind of furthermore rubbing the salt in the wound that this Riska just ain't relevant no more. Damn. Uh, has been thrown into a uni- a world with a timeline without relevancy. Um, Rizka still has no idea what is going on. Um, John attempts to explain uh, the situation, so he fills her in on the state of politics on earth and how jane has moved the political machine uh further and further right to get to the point where they are now um and also explains how uh karkat is currently leading a rebellion uh co-captained by mina um and it makes an interesting observation uh or i think there's an does he say it or let's see Yeah, so John mentions that Mina, uh, that with Mina's cooperation, now both sides of the conflict are kitted out with, like, spaceships and all of the fancy, uh, Imperial weaponry. Um, I think there's an interesting, I think that's kind of interesting to include that, like, the, the war, um, has become also a conflict between two daughters of the Candace, basically. Yeah. Uh... So I think I think that's uh I'm not I I don't know what else Mina's inclusion in the story could ever could possibly be there to set up in this book. Uh besides like there's an interesting contrast between the rebels and Jane's army. Or yeah. interesting comparison. Yeah. Um not sure what to make of it, but it's there. Um Let's see. Uh so Vriska uh rhetorically asks John how did you fuck all that up? because uh, everything sure is fucked up. And John uh, does his John thing and buckles and starts talking about how he's responsible for all of this because he didn't kill Lord English. Um The only explanation for everything turning out for everything in general turning out the way it did was uh, his decision alone. Um Briska is impressed at his self-centeredness. Um but because she's Vriska, is only capable of uh matching it um she says uh was it uh page 221 uh good fuck do you actually think reality gives that much of a shit about you get real egbert it's not like you're me good point um, good point <laughs> i i think this is one of the best Vriska quotes of all time
1: yeah it's 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 really
0: good it's it's definitely up there in the Vriska canon uh let's see John asks Vriska about Therese, um, of whom she knows nothing. Uh, Vriska here has generally very little sympathy for uh, either John's crush on Terezi or his concern for uh, what is canon uh, and what is the real timeline. Um, as her frustration reaches a fever pitch, uh, who should enter the scene but Gamzee, Um Emerging from the dust cloud left in the wake of uh, Jane's army, uh, and he he propositions Vriska uh, rather salaciously uh, if she would like her own redemption arc. And um, I don't know. Uh, if we have nothing to say specifically about this conversation between John and Vriska, uh, I'm just going to take us into the next chapter. Sure. Okay, so I I, I am I'm bring, I'm bringing us along. It is a continuation of the same scene. Um, chapter thirty two. Uh, Vriska, in response to Gamzee's advances, uh, snaps. Uh, she she has her Joker moment. Um, and she gives Gamzee the beating he has always deserved. Yes. Uh, it, it, there's an epic uh smackdown. As Riska just pummels the shit out of Gamzee. Uh it's very cathartic and it is made all the more strange when it ends by a. Uh, Gamzee gets a, a firm hold on Riska's shoe with his mouth and just starts slobbering on that thing, just starts working that boot. And Riska is so primarily repelled um, and infuriated by this gesture that she is consumed by. Uh, by wrathful, wrathful, kismetic throws, and just violently descends upon him in a nightmare scene of clown makeout. <laughs> John is still here, by the way, uh, and is mercifully is mercifully distracted by Rose calling for him.
1: This is like the one part of the epilogues where I'm like, "Why?
0: <laughs> this is insane." Um, I, <laughs> I, I know that, uh, you talked a bit on Twitter about, you were talking about how 39 is the most, uh, absurd homestuck, like the most homestuck thing to happen. Um, and I was thinking, I kind of box us in a little bit with 39 in that I feel like candy is just falling apart to show us that it's falling apart. Yeah. Um, just shit, shit is happening just to see, just, like, just because. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the decision to make Friska make out with Gamzee was probably calculated to see what people's reactions to it would be. Um, it, it comes out of nowhere.
1: Yeah?
0: Uh. Yeah, it's,
1: I don't even, I don't even, I want to just outright say it's bad. <laughs> uh. There was a there was an AMA with uh, one of the main authors of the epilogues like a while ago, and they said that this part was written like to make you extremely uncomfortable on purpose. Uh, so I was literally correct because, like, like one of the factors going into this is, uh, we we don't know how much time passed for Vriska while she was doing like the Lord English stuff.
0: I did not want to bring up this angle. Uh, but it's the ang- let us it's, discuss it's it. It's the
1: angle that literally everyone brings up. Gamzee is like pushing 40, and Vriska very may well still be 16. And yeah. It's. It's bad.
0: I don't like it. It is. It is questionable, for sure. Uh, I think there is a little bit of plausible deniability with, um,. Under the trolls are weird umbrella, yeah. But I do not like it either. Um, d- mostly because of the like the age angle, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. So I I guess they have succeeded. Um. Yeah. Uh. I I don't I I don't know I don't know I I guess it wouldn't be the first time that Vriska has had uh poor blackrom taste, but I don't know. I'm I'm calling back to the whole Aradin thing from the very from way back in like a uh, hive swap. I th-
1: I thought you were gonna point out that this wouldn't be the first time where like an underage Risca was dating a, a a very overage partner because Mina was like <laughs> technically an adult when she died. <laughs> well close to an adult. I, she was I old. am
0: not tr- I am not trying to get into age discourse when the characters in question are ghosts. <laughs> Listen, but, a lot of people yeah, pointed
1: that, out. A lot of people pointed out
0: that that would be true. That is true. That is a good observation. Uh, yeah. Um, the. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that it 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 does like an okay job of like setting up the the conversation between the two of we get in a couple chapters. Um, just because, like, it, it puts her into such, like, a, a humiliating place. Like, yeah. it's, probably is the farthest you can fall, but, um, yeah, it, it's a little bit, uh, it, it's surprising and uncomfortable to read.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, we, we will, uh, moving on, we'll move on. Yes, we, we will. See, yes, we will. <laughs> we'll see what happens with, with John. In the next couple of chapters. So. Uh, like I said. Uh, John mercifully uh, has been distracted by Rose. Calling to him from above. Um, Rose drops in. Uh, in, a, in a. From a troll cruiser. Uh, accompanied by uh, her daughter Vriska. Um At the sight of the, the young Riska, John uh, immediately does everything in his power. To make sure that she does not see what's going on. The, the heinous acts being committed. In the bush uh, behind him. Um, and he, uh, he, he wheels them around. He takes them out around the other side of the ship to talk to them. Um, Rose dismisses her daughter and, uh, has a, turns to John to have a a bit of a heart to heart. Um, Rose asks John if he remembers, uh, everything that she said about Canon all those years ago. Um, and when he, he flounders for a little bit and she says, it's okay. You don't, you don't, you don't have to remember because none of it is really that important. Um, she explains, uh, she explains, the, uh, the three pillars again, briefly, um, just to elaborate that, uh, the timeline that they are in, uh, as we know, has left the whole concept of truth behind a long time ago. We are, we are firmly in the non-canon. Um, and she thanks him for that and for giving her a world, uh, where she is free to be happy. Um, basically. Yeah, uh, she says like she doesn't know what else could have happened. What t- canon really means to her, but she what she does know is that she's found a place in time where she's no longer plagued by uh, her ultimate the visions from her ultimate self. Uh, she can have a she has some purpose in life. She has a family that she loves, um, and really, uh, John making that decision was the best thing that ever happened to her because it gave her like. A grounded existence that she can just live. Yeah. Um, it's really powerful, and I like it a lot. Yeah
1: i I love this moment. Uh, it's it's really interesting because like John's really been like beating himself up over the decision for like what like sixteen years now.
0: A while, yeah. A
1: a while. (laughs) Uh, and. It's nice that that Rose feels this way. It's good.
0: Yeah, I, I like that it it doesn't com- it, it it comes from like John like starting to apologize, and then uh like I, I like that it it, it like uh, it comes in with like the Rose like give like Rose just providing the opposite perspective from John basically yeah like like i, I it, it it's really good it's really good it's the whole like question of nihil of of it, it, it's basically the whole question of like nihilism and how you choose to to act on the if you believe that nothing matters and we see that rose is roses our our beacon of hope in this instance and uh we leave john when uh, it leaves john with this uh thought that's it's this thing about finality um that he finally decides to allow it, uh, and by it, I I think it means like letting himself live. Yeah. Or like letting him letting himself just exist in this world. Yeah. It's it's very good. I like it a lot. Um. Let's see. Thirty four. Uh, Riska and Harry and young Riska and Harry Anderson. So, uh, back to, uh, Rose's daughter, Vriska, um, who's just been, uh, sent away to do important resistance stuff. Uh, Vriska calls up Harry Anderson to flex on him, uh, that now she's doing important resistance stuff. Uh, she taunts him a little bit. We learned that Vriska is hate-dating, uh, Tavros. Damn. Um. Some things never change. Truly, truly. Uh... The it, it feels a little bit like uh, again, uh Harry Anderson, um just a little bit of a punching bag for Briska sometimes it feels like. Um especially the part where uh she taunts him about how his dad is there and how uh he doesn't get birthday visits from him anymore. <laughs> like that's kind of a fucked up thing to to tease somebody that you call a friend about, right? Like a little bit, a little bit, a, a, a little bit. I mean, I don't know the dynamic, but it, I feel like Briska's living up to her namesake a little bit in 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 some ways here. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it, it is hard to know because it seems like even even Harry Anderson is kind of fed up with his dad's bullshit, um. He says uh he's always get he's always getting all weeping whenever I talk to him anyway. I don't think I could have had taken another round of him choking back tears while apologizing to me about what happened with you and your mother, Harry. So yeah, there's there's a pretty good idea of what John's like with his family. <laughs> um This conversation between Frisca and Harry is uh tragically cut short as Riska discovers um what what John was trying so desperately to conceal from her in the bushes behind him.
1: Nightmare.
0: Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Uh Vriska's huge, mischievous smile freezes on her face. When her eyes pass the image to her brain, It final- and it finally makes sense of the incomprehensible jumble of gray limbs, blue and purple slop, tangled black hair, and stunned faces, her expression begins to slowly melt. It then drifts quickly from phase to phase to one of wonder, then anguish, then finally abject horror. John. Oh, God.
1: Damn. <laughs> Poor Vriska. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I-, I guess, I guess poor Friska um, I don't know, I, I find, uh, the, I keep wanting to call her, like, young Friska, even though, like, okay. she's not, okay. like, in, like, the first, like, ten pages of
1: Homestuck 2, she's given a new name, do you want
0: to just call her that? Uh, it's the one everyone's mad about, right? No. What do they call her? Uh, She's called Vrissi. Okay, okay. All right, yeah. I guess that we can just work with that, because I think this is, like, the last time... This is, like, one of the last times she comes up.
1: Yeah, it's it's literally a, what everybody yeah. calls her now anyway. So, like... All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, Candy Vrissi is uh, an interesting character that I would like to see more of. So, I guess, good on Homestuck 2 for that, but... Yeah, uh, there's some interesting setup going on here with, um, she just seems like, uh, you know, kind of a mean kid. Yeah. Uh, not, not unlike, uh, she just seems like a normal mean kid, but, like, uh, given the chance to live on a a slightly less brutal planet than Alternia. I don't know. It's funny. Um, I also hope Harry Anderson turns out all right. I hope- I don't want to grow up another <laughs> pantry bag. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Vriska has just... Vrissy has just walked into Vriska and Gamzee fucking. Um,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. F- yeah? We we did get confirmation from the author AMA that they do not fuck. They're just kissing.
0: Okay, okay. My bad. Ga- my bad. Gamzee
1: does say they, they did the nasty, but they're just kissing.
0: That's what... That's why I was... That's why I said that. Um... I I guess we now have confirmation that Gamzee is also just trying to gaslight her, so... Cool. Yeah, alright. So, uh... Vriska, uh... Having just been caught, uh... Desperately extracts herself from the Gamzee situation. Um, and is... Just burdened with this horrific shame that... Her journey uh, in the span of a couple minutes went from the climactic showdown uh, between her and her ghost army and Lord English um, at the end of the universe uh, to making out with a, a shitty, evil clown in a bush in the span of a few minutes. Um, Horrible. Like I said, that is probably about as far as you can fall in the Homestuck universe. Yeah. Um... And to rub it all in, uh, she's she's now trapped in this uh, trapped in a timeline that is no longer canon uh, that has robbed her of all of her precious relevancy. So yeah, uh, Riska has riska has been kicked around a little bit. Um, as riska, uh struggles with this, uh, Gamzee steps in and starts trying to sweet talk her a little bit. Um, Gam he Gamzee is as Candy Gamzee is as repulsive as ever. Uh, the way that he the the way that uh Gamzee addresses Vriska is pretty in line with the way that he has addressed Jane and uh, talked about women in general previously, um, not fantastic, and it kind of escalates and ramps up uh over the next couple pages until uh Vriska snaps again and realizes, you know. In this timeline, detached from relevancy, from truth, from whatever, what is stopping anybody from just killing Gamzee? Woo! And so she kills Gamzee. We did it. <laughs> we we did won. It. We we fucking made it. My god. Riska does. I, I. There's no one. Riska herself does not uh, realize that Gamzee's plot armor is gone, but. While I was reading this chapter, I was, like, thinking, like, wait, this is, not- if nothing matters anymore, then Gamzee can die now, probably. Yeah. and um, I'm very glad that that's actually where it went. Uh, yeah, um, what do we think of Gamzee's death?
1: Good moment, good moment. Best part of the epilogues.
0: It's pretty good, it's pretty good. Um... As Riska gets up from, uh, strangling the life out of Gamzee, uh, she realizes that Rissy is still there, and some, uh, some, I what would you call it? Intra-self bonding is probably in order. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm so fucking happy that Gamzee got <laughs> killed. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the, like, <laughs> major... I don't know. Dirk dying. Dirk's death is like you know whatever because we know that uh, Meat Dirk is at large and is ultimately the villain of the whole thing. G- Gamzee getting to kill Gamzee. Um, is I was I was surprised that uh there was like. Actual major character death this late into this story, uh, considering how the way that Candy just kind of feels like a, a a history of things,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and it felt like everybody had like a decent amount to do, and like they were still doing. Uh, but you know what? I'm not complaining that they made good on major character death after Dirk. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shall we move on? We 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 shall. Rest in fucking piss. <laughs> Alright. 36. So, uh... John. Uh... John fucked off at the sight of, uh... Driska and Gamzee in the bushes. Uh, his, his brain... His poor little brain could not handle it. Um, and he has fled to where it all began. Back to his house. Uh, back, back to his house. Um. We get a little, uh nostalgia tour, uh, where he, he goes back, he's, everything's dusty, he hasn't been here in years, and he slop, he, he, he just walks over and slouches down and passes out in his dad's study in his chair. Um, he's woken, uh, shortly, well, he's woken at some point, we don't know how much time it has, uh, by, uh, another than then, Jake Crocker, uh, who is wearing nothing but a pair of underwear. And is accompanied by his young son Tafros. Classic Jake uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. We We learn in in classic Jake fashion, we learn that uh he's he's fled Jane. He's he's taken his life back into his own hands, but not quite enough to do so with his clothes on his back because those belo- uh, those belong to her. <laughs> um <laughs> John uh makes a a snappy reply about how you know he wasn't brave enough to take the clothes he was brave enough to take himself um or no taver says that my god i'm mixed up, i'm all mixed up here uh John is kind of john John is kind of rude um to jake um Jake asks for help and john says uh well now you want my help after I was so gracious to offer it back then and which is, you know, a little bit of a uh a nasty thing to say about making a kidnapping attempt on your friend's son. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. But uh John uh he considers, uh, that, you know, maybe on some level, uh his failure means that Tavros also is his fault, that Tavros's suffering is his fault. And he considers, you know, maybe I should be a little bit nicer. So John, uh John takes Jake in to, to have a little bit of a heart to heart uh Jake busts out the whiskey uh which causes Tavros immediately to uh to leave uh head upstairs um which also I think gives a little bit of a window into maybe Jake's uh maybe uh the side of Jake that we don't like some that we might not like so much yeah who knows um and uh, Jake Jake gets Jake gets down to it with John, and he asks him straight up, you know, do you think I'm a bad person? Uh, do you think that my inaction and letting everything kind of happen around me, uh, while it all went to shit, uh, makes me bad? Um, John uh, realizes the the irony of this question not being lost on him. Uh, tries to he tries he makes an attempt at cheering Jake up um says uh, he his his his, <laughs> his advice is like what he says what he says here uh 247 is you're all right i think you're doing the best you can i don't blame you for anything jake like just trying to be nice to him and because it's jake uh he eats it up and he's like you know what you're right i have hope again i
1: love jake um, i love jake so much
0: <laughs> I I love Jake so much. It how can you not? <laughs> um yeah, so this uh this uh Jake is propelled uh to back to back to high hopes. Um uh so much so that he even manages to rub it off a little bit back on John. Uh he urges uh he, he encourages John that uh you know, think no, no, nothing is beyond fixing. Uh you can go back and go back and make things right. And John considers, you know, why don't I go back and talk to Roxy a little bit, and we can figure this whole thing out? Um, John, he thinks about how he's been, how he thinks of Roxy as fake, and at considers uh considers his son, and thinks that there's some kind of responsibility there, or just it doesn't sit right with him the idea that uh if he really believes that Roxy is fake, then he's left that son in this situation. And that, uh, he, he, he realizes that he has a child he's responsible for, and that he's just been moping around and he feels bad about it. Basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's the, the last, uh, paragraph here? Um, yeah. Uh, Jake asks him if he wants to be, it, what kind of father he wants to be to Harry Anderson, and the, 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 the paragraph for that. So, 252. Hearing the name is like a blow to the chest. Little, little Harry Anderson, his son, who he fe- held and fed and taught and raised into a young man. Despite it all, he's always been so unbelievably proud of that boy. If Roxy isn't real, then his son must be even faker. Something about the thought makes John feel more rotten than anything else. Maybe it's some aspect of his basic biology, buried down the core of his lizard brain that makes him want to reject what he knows is true. The allure of the denial, of the anesthetic coat radiating from Jake's epically sculpted body, is difficult to turn away from. So yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting paragraph that, like, I'm not entirely sure how to parse John's motivation for going back to his family, really. Because, yeah. uh, like... I think that like there's a simple explanation, which is like John, he realizes that like he has a duty to like he really cares about his son, and he has he can't run away from that. Um, like even if even if everything is truly fake, like he has an attachment to it, and that makes him uncomfortable that he's also like part of that fakeness. Yeah. Um. Or like that he in like his like. D- black-pilled John is, like, thinking of, like, oh, God, my son must be fake, too. Uh, that's horrible. Uh, I had better, uh, but I guess all I can do is, like, go along with it. I guess those are the, those are the kind of the two possibilities that I'm not sure on. The, the narration is often vague, vague in this way. I don't know, what do you think?
1: Um uh... I don't know you're right about the vagueness Mm -hmm. um i don't know i i I feel like we're in 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 these last couple chapters uh similar to how it was in meat uh where the main where i felt the main meat theme was are people allowed to change uh -hmm. i feel like the main theme of candy is are people allowed to be happy uh, because like John's response to like Rose being like I've found happiness in this fake world thank you uh and 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 now we have Jake in a classic Jake fashion doing a 180 and 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 finding a path to being happy and hopeful I feel like John is like realizing that happiness can exist in this quote-unquote fake world and i i feel like he's coming to a realization that maybe he has not contributed to making his family happy
0: uh-huh.
1: and maybe wants uh, to reconnect
0: yeah. i like i like that reading of it a lot actually i think that actually probably makes more sense
1: yeah because like the whole the whole reason that like his relationship with roxy ended up being a mess is because he saw roxy as as fake Uh like he like there was like one line where he he like kind of implied that she was like a shell of what she used to be uh Uh, yeah i think i think he's just coming to terms with the fact that like he doesn't have to be miserable and like treat everyone around him as fake like, he told Vriska that he feels like he's the only real person.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's realizing that, like, he, it's on some level he does recognize that his son is real and that forces him to acknowledge that maybe, uh, moping around and thinking that everything, just being like, I'm the only real guy has not really made things better. Yeah. He's wasted uh, a good chunk of his life. Which is the real existential horror. Um Yeah. Just yeah. So yeah, we leave off uh with uh John asking Jake uh if, if he has Roxy's number. Okay. Yeah. Uh So moving on.
1: Oh. I do wanna say though, I I love the short little sequence where where they dance.
0: I I, yes. I think it is a
1: very good moment and it makes me smile when I think about it.
0: Yeah, I I think that there's like uh it it's simple but like I I think that there's um <clears throat> it a very very simple but powerful truth in that like, you know, sometimes you just got to do something silly to to get a new perspective on things. Yeah. The the smallest the smallest thing to do to break yourself out of a uh, depressive funk can can lead to new uh insights or new ways of seeing things.
1: And it's cute. I yeah. like it. There was there was one piece of art that I saw like like in the weeks after the epilogues came out. And it, it was probably my favorite piece of epilogues art that was of them dancing. And I I'm trying desperately to find it right
0: now. <laughs> Aw. Okay. Let's see. Uh we can move on. Alright, moving on. So thirty seven. Uh, Rissy and Vriska, uh, share Gamzee's corpse as a pillow as they get to know each other. Uh, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a heartwarming scene. Um, they're just kind of hanging out, uh, picking out shapes in the clouds. Um, Vriska is, uh, plagued by John shapes. Um, cake, shaving cream, a Beagle Puss, um, all these things that she sees that remind her of John. And she, it makes her think about the. Uh, immense amount of power that she she suspects that John holds, um, and uh, how 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 funny it is that eh, were were any were any of the rest of them in John's position, then they could have done anything they wanted. But it's this weird, awkward, dorky nerd, and he's just kind of not doing that. <laughs> I I think that's a that's an adorable observation. Yeah. Um, it, it, it one one was just laughed off by Vrissi uh, who kind of uh harkens hearken, back to the Vriska of Yorn. It's like who gives a fuck? He's a dork. Great stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, Vriska confesses that she feels jealous of Vrissi um, who she sees as having a freedom growing up that she never did. Um, not having to kill people to feed her mom or do all this weird fucked up shit or live on Lompernia. uh, just all, all these all these great things. Um, Vrissi is uh kind of takes the the wrong lesson. Try is to take the wrong lesson from it. Is like, but it's so cool that you killed all those guys and that you, uh, followed in the footsteps of your murderous ancestor. Like that's awesome. That's what I want to do um and uh driska is like no that 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 sucks don't don't aspire to do that it made me miserable um uh and she talks she talks about the the dangers of like trying to be a version of yourself trying to be like a cooler version of yourself or aspiring to be uh like looking up to somebody else like looking up to another version of yourself as um like co- comparing yourself to yourself it, I, I i'm like going in circles because i'm like trying to relate <laughs> it back to a, a an easy concept that like we have but like we don't have ghost clones from other timelines so i don't know um she she, she it's it's a, a warning on uh losing losing track of like letting yourself be happy um and uh she thought she thinks back to the ghost uh the ghost version of herself that she stole Mina away from and how she feels like she did that in part because the ghost Frisco that she saw uh was happy and had that freedom that she was jealous of and she just wanted to bring her down damn um and how really what she feels like she wants and what she what makes... What really motivates her... Uh, what motivates Vriska, uh... To improve herself to be better is... Having someone in her life that she feels... Makes it worth it. Um... Ha- Vriska talks about how having somebody... She needs somebody... Uh... Who... It's it's worth being a good person for. Um... Vriska, uh... Knowing the lore... Uh... Spots this is Terezi pretty quickly, um, and says, "Hey, you know, I happen to uh, I happen to know a guy who used to spend a lot of time obsessively te- obsessively texting Terezi. Uh, and I stole his phone. Do you want to see?" And the two of them look back through the years years old chat logs between John and Terezi. Damn. Um. <laughs> It, very little space is given to it in in the chapter, which is funny, um, and I, I think correct. Uh, but the important upshot of this is that, Vriska now has an avenue to contact Terezi and to say what she wants to say to her, and we leave off with Vriska beginning to compose a text message to Terezi on John's phone. Uh, there is a lot to unpack in this chapter. Um, there is the, the straight-up fact that, uh, Terezi is probably never going to see that message. Um, there's, like, the, the, like, finally, like, Vriska just kind of vomiting it up and, like, being, being honest and straightforward about, uh, what Terezi means to her. Um, the... Yeah, pretty much those. It's really good. Yeah,
1: I yeah I like this conversation. Uh, it's it's definitely the one of the least hostile person talking to other version of self conversations we've had in Homestuck,
0: which is ironic considering its risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like it because it 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 feels like. It is. It is a. It is a good thing to hear from Briska. I like that we get this from her. I. I feel like a lot of what we have gotten from Briska about herself is a lot of what she tells herself. Yeah. Like the like uh, what I think back to number one is her epic speech from Homestuck, right, where she where they're going to get the juju. Yeah. And I feel like in retrospect, like. The, the Vriska there, like, talking about how she needs to be... Like, her calling is to be the worst person that the universe needs her to be. Like, she will do anything that it takes to stop-load English. Was the thrust of that, as I remember, basically. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that looking back at that, uh, it changes it a lot uh, reading this here. Uh, like, a Vriska who has been around for a bit more and has has come to understand something or like come to understand some things and be honest and just be able to say them in like a lower stakes environment um because with with that knowledge like all that stuff about like how she has to be the worst person ever to do what is right kind of just does just seems like bullshit with her admitting that like I want to be a good person but uh, the the person who I want to be good for uh, is not available to me. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I like that. I think it reveals a lot about Vriska as a as a as a character and like how she justifies her existence to herself and like what's going on in her head a little bit. I like it a lot. I think it's really really good. Me too. Um it's good. It's good. and it's and and it is perfectly Riska because it is capped off with the 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 torturous pain that uh, at this junction where she maybe knows herself a little bit better, uh, Teresia ain't gonna pick up. Suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Any 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 more input on this? Um. I I I, I, I think you
1: it summed is. it up pretty good. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, it's. This is, a, this is a really, really good chapter.
1: Big degree. Big degree.
0: Uh-huh. Alright. Speaking of really good chapters, uh, 38 is next.
1: Let's talk about gender! Um, Woo!
0: Yes! Yes. See, I, I knew... So, earlier, uh, there was like the, the very brief discussion between John and Roxy about gender, right? Yeah. And I know that you love to talk about how much you love the John and Roxy gender conversation. How uh much it means to you um and so i'm i'm very glad that this chapter happened because otherwise i would have been very confused <laughs> uh, <laughs> if if i would continue to operate under the assumption that you were talking about like their brief conversation on their date
1: yeah i i forgot that that brief conversation happened uh so i when, when we talked about it, i was like oh man every time i've ever said the john and roxy conversation gender talk uh probably probably a little weird looking back now
0: uh because we didn't get to this point yet but we're here now we're here we're here here. yes yes um so okay so uh john visits roxy to talk things out um he kind of Harry anderson's out uh at school uh he he walks around he, he he walks around the house a little before they sit down. Um, kind of gate like kind of taking in the the place. Uh, the that he, his, his home he no longer lives in. Um, and we uh, so eventually we uh, we sit down and talk with Roxy. Um, Roxy uh is still pretty guarded at this point. Um, she notes his looking through her behavior. Uh. Roxy definitely knows Roxy has definitely noticed that John has this weird way of thinking about her um but uh but uh although uh, her behavior still conceals some genuine warmth towards him um so they sit so they sit down and get to talking uh John kind of uh prods on what's going on uh with his social life Um, And what's going on with Jane. Uh, Roxy. uh, Kind of begrudgingly. Roxy admits that uh, Jane turned out to be a real asshole. Um, And she wasted a bunch of time. Clinging on to her so desperately. Um, John tells her that he's hosting. Jake and Tavros. uh, As a result. Um, And he goes on to apologize. For. uh, How he completely fucked up Roxy's life. And how He. Personally made everything wrong. Uh and he is uh he's about to kick into this whole spiel about how it's all his fault and he fucked it all up, and Roxy just cuts him off. Um she doesn't want to listen to him be sorry. Uh Roxy stands up and stands up for herself a little bit. Uh takes a stance, says, you know, you don't have to apologize for fucking my entire life up when I like my life. I feel like I'm, personally, I feel like I'm doing fine. Uh, this catches John's attention, and he looks at her for real, as she, as she makes her case. Um, Roxy talks about how, basically, yeah, like, you think you're the only guy in the universe. Um, I have my own life, and I feel like it's been going fine. Uh, It's not perfect, but it's not whatever you're describing it as um let's see uh John uh at the John is confused by this um and is like but what about the canon timeline this is clearly all not how things were supposed to go uh i i still feel bad about you know making things go uh wrong in some vague sense uh, and Roxy does not give a shit um Roxy uh Let's see. So, the original timeline bit. Uh, John is kind of like. Are, are you sure that uh that that, uh, are you sure that nothing feels off? Um, what what's going on? Uh, and he let's see goes on to be like, well, wasn't there like that whole thing or like or, well, let's see. He says uh he he gets really vague about it. Um. He says, you never feel like it have, would, have be- would have been better if things had gone a different way. Magic or no, I could have done a lot differently, for you especially. Stuck around her. Fuck, stayed out of your way to begin with. Let you and Callie do your thing or do, do whatever it was you seemed to be headed off to do. I didn't expect it to me after... So this gets... Uh, this this turns the conversation uh, gender-wise. Um, makes Roxy think about uh, the development she was doing as a person at the, when everything... At, at the crucial moment of decision. Um So yeah, uh there's this really key bit about uh where Roxy says um I don't think I regret anything because I don't think that there's only one right way to be me, basically.
1: Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. I I I feel like I'm uh <laughs> I feel like I'm in those memes where that like trans people talk about like talking about gender desist people and it's like a baby playing with blocks. <laughs> uh the the line where Roxy is like I uh like talks about like checking off shit on the woman checklist versus just like find the most authentic way to be the, the person that she is. I was like, Oh okay, okay. We did it, everybody.
1: I'm, he, he... <laughs> I'm learning so
0: much. <laughs> Yeah, um, Roxy describes, uh, the, like, uh, yeah, there's not only one right way to be me, um, and, uh, does she she likes how she ended up in this timeline, um, and we we get a little, the, the narration goes a little bit into Roxy's internal monologue of, or internal, her thoughts of how, um, having Harry, having Harry Anderson, uh, kind of gave her that experience where she felt like she she felt like the the body that she had was right for the life that she was living, I guess. Yeah. Um, and how that helped her connect and feel more at peace with herself than any other than any consideration of gender as a concept did. Yeah. Um, and elects not to try to communicate this to John and says says like, well, when he had like, Harry was Harry Harry is every Harry is my life. Um, which is something that John can connect to, um, and then uh, links it into the optimistic perspective we've been seeing. Which is Roxy's new take on it is you know, um, we're still we're we're, we're still young. Uh, we have thousands of lifetimes ahead of us to figure this all out, and it's not like life is that you you finish at twenty three and then you wait to see how everything falls apart from there, and uh they, they they share this this wonderful moment, uh, and Harry comes, Harry gets home uh, from school, and Roxy has a brief moment of fear that John will have just see him and meltdown, but he is able to face his son as a father and uh, have a and invite him to hang to go for a drive. <laughs> and it's very, very sweet.
1: Good chapter, good chapter, woo!
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I feel like I kind of rushed through it. Um, so, uh, what do you? Anything you want to uh, call attention to here? To uh, talk about?
1: I want to call attention to how good it is. True. Um, I don't know. I. So a lot of people tend to be like kind of split on this chapter. Uh, cool. I I've seen some interesting takes. Uh, from people about Candy Roxy versus Meat Roxy,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, but I like the way it's handled uh, because I-, I agree with the sentiment that there there's no one correct way to to be yourself.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: the the whole notion that like things played out differently for Roxy. So Roxy didn't have like the exact same gender path. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's the part that people disagree a lot with, which I think is weird. Uh, people seem to have this idea that every, every you, you're either trans your entire life or you're not trans at all. Uh, Uh, which is like, I don't know. It's weird. It does not match up with, with my experience at all. Uh, which I guess I can unbox right now. Uh, uh, feel free. Like, like, like I've said many a time, this, this chapter led to me like thinking a lot, having a lot of introspection. Um, Uh because like, well before the epilogues came out, I, you know, I, I got to college. It was, it was halfway through my freshman year and you know when you when you get to college it's 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 kind of freeing in a way you're you're not really around your family anymore you have a lot more time to like be alone think about yourself be yourself um paint your nails yeah yeah stuff like Mm -hmm. that um and i was doing a lot of thinking at that time and Mm -hmm. i i there was, like, a brief moment where I was, like, I think that I might be non-binary. And I, I talked to friend of the pod, Alicia, about it at the time. And uh-huh. when I had that conversation with her at the time, I started feeling, like, really stressed out about it. Like, the prospect of, like, coming out to my friends and, like, going through the whole thing. Like, the, it, 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 uh-huh. it stressed me out. And so I, I I took that box that I was opening and I closed it back up and I was like, I'm not going to do this right now. <laughs>
0: and I hit the gate. You hit the gate snooze button.
1: I did. And I, I kind of forgot about it. I moved on with life. I, I, I started throwing myself more into my schoolwork. I, I, I was just doing other stuff. I wasn't thinking about it. And. Mm. I I don't know. I I was just progressing down a path in life where it wasn't really important to me. And I didn't think it about, I didn't think about it again until the Homestuck epilogues came out. And I read this and I started thinking about it again. And I think a lot about like, where would I be if the Homestuck epilogues didn't come out? Like Uh would, would, would would I be 40 still identifying as a cis guy like like i don't know where i would be in life and the the sentiment that like things just play out how they're gonna play out i like really agree with because i i don't like a lot of people like to like believe that in every instance of life like they would always be that the person that they are at current moment uh and i just i just don't think life plays out that way like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. a, an, an another way of framing it. Uh, actually, never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna frame it that way. That'd be really weird. I'm not <laughs> bringing that up right now. Uh, okay. You you get what I'm you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I think that um this is a I I, I hmm, how, how to how to phrase. I'm trying to think. I think that. I think that um, at least in my uh per view. and I've been online for a while, I feel like there's uh, a very note, like, uh, in the, in, uh, F- <sighs> where to even start with this? Um, I think that there's a, a habit a lot of people have, um, online especially, where it's very easy to kind of list off bullet points about yourself. Yeah. I think people have this urge to, uh, very specifically describe themselves, um, like, very specifically label themselves, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about this, and I know mostly in the context of like, uh, Tumblr, um, and how people thought about identity on that site. Yeah, or discourse about identity usually went down on that site. Yeah, um, and I have always, uh, seen a very strong opposition to that way of thinking. I've seen a lot of people, uh, a lot of LGBT people like talk about how like, uh, it's really unhealthy to try to specifically label your sexuality, for instance, when. Uh, especially when you're like a teenager and you should be probably like exploring it, yeah, uh, yeah, more so than trying to like you should be trying to. Your identity should not be a descriptive thing. Um, and I think that this chapter of the Homestuck epilogues is like uh one of the first times I've seen like a that idea kind of be put into um like a in into prose. Yeah. Uh and it's really positive, and I, I, I like it a lot. Um, the the notion that like because c- this managed to be like a discussion about like sexuality and gender that basically issues labels. Um I, I don't think that they say trans anywhere in this conversation. Yeah. Uh but they're talking about it in terms of like um maybe things like uh like in terms of like you, who th- th- that's what they're talking about basically and i i like that it's just framed in of like figuring out how to be yourself um more than just um the the the, the questionnaire of like what are you gay like yeah. what is your sexuality yeah. what is your gender um yeah i i, I th- that i like it for that uh, that's my insight uh, that that's my commentary uh, as a proud member of the ally, <laughs> uh, subdivision. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I love it. Good chapter. Um, it's it's very good, and it it, it leaves John in a good place too, which is just absolutely heartwarming to see. He he's. He's doing okay. Our I, boy's I, doing okay.
1: I, I wonder if John will now start thinking about gender.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Anything could happen in, uh... whole like two, I guess. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Now Speaking... <laughs> speaking of good chapters...
1: <laughs> it's time. It's time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Epilogue eight. Chapter 39. Okay. So... Dave and Jade uh are exploring the jungle region uh on the border of the human troll kingdoms on an expedition from Karkat. Uh, d- there to document uh and leave supplies in all the shitty liberties they find. Um Dave uh, on, on his expedition, uh Dave on his, on his expedition with his wife, uh Dave considers uh how the other uh Alpha Dave would have thought about uh his Mission right now probably would have approved of it, being that they share their freedom fighter tendencies. Um, while he's uh looking around, uh, Dave discovers a, a an old building in the forest, and upon closer inspection, he realizes that it is none other than the White House, and that he is, is in stepping through the window has stepped right into the former Oval Office of the United States of America, and. In this oval, in the oval office, uh, he finds a transportalizer. Curiously, the transportalizer takes him to a a, a golden crypt, uh, in which he discovers a a hope a- god tier outfit fitted for an adult male. And uh, as he explores the as he explores his finding, um, he triggers an old mechanism which brings. A holographic projection of Obama, face to face with our hero Dave Strider. I I've gotta
1: know what was going through your mind as this unfolded.
0: <laughs> um, I was like, okay, so candy has just fallen apart. This is just <laughs> this is this is just this is what they meant by the timeline falling apart. Um, Obama is here. Obama is is just canon to Homestuck now. Obama, it, there's there's Obama lore. Um I mean I, mean, I mean there was before. already Obama lore
1: in the SkyNet systems lore.
0: But that was like that was like dubious. Like we weren't quite sure on that and that was also in the sky that was like the SkyNet shit. Yeah. This is Obama speaking to Dave Strider. <laughs> <laughs> this is Obama helping Dave through his identity. I like
1: struggles. I like that the sequence actually like alludes to the SkyNet stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was my, my other qu- the thing. It's like, I guess that the Skynet system shit is canon now, question mark? Parts of it are canon? I,
1: I did think the Obama stuff was, like, probably the most entertaining part of it.
0: It's pretty... It was... Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank God, because he's, he's here now. <laughs> uh, let's... Let, let's see. Uh, so, Obama is here. Um... Mr. President. Uh, Dave Dave meets his hero. Um, Obama informs him that uh, he already knows, in fact, of of Dave's exploits and his heroic efforts in in protecting Earth and the the world. Um, And he he talks about his history a little bit. We learn uh, how he was visited by a moustached gentleman claiming to be his relative in his young age, and that said gentleman left a mysterious outpost uh, with a lab and facilities in which the young Obama ventured into uh, and discovered a transportalizer to the medium uh, and the game of suburb where he met uh, other heroes uh, who he remembers fondly, his friends. Um, and that uh, in, his, in his time, uh, Obama uh, a- after uh, completing his session, he returned to Earth to lay down some important future pieces for the, the for the protection of Earth Sea, um, and he says he has some he has something to show him. So, uh, they 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 begin they begin walking uh, deeper into the mysterious facility uh, that Dave has discovered. Um, Dave, uh, in a moment of insecurity, uh, asks Obama uh, since he knew Alpha Dave if he's really sure, uh, that he lives up to his legacy, um, and he he feels like he's just somehow lesser than he could have been. Uh, especially considering how great Carcat has become. Obama, uh, Obama's not stupid. Um, and he real, and he, uh, pokes him a little bit on the Carcat thing. He's like, you know, Carcat really matters a lot to you. And, um, this this kinda this this leads Dave to start going into his self-rationalization where he's like, you know, I think Jade really deserves uh I, I think I've made Jade really happy. I think that Jade deserves everything I've done for her. Um But had Dirk not killed himself all those years ago, maybe we would have thought we maybe we would have talked some things through and maybe things would have gone differently. And it ends with, uh... Dir- with, a, uh, Dave tearfully confessing to 44th President of the United States, Barack Obama, that he <laughs> thinks he might be gay.
1: This rules. Yes. This may be the best thing ever in fiction.
0: It's something. It's certainly something. Um... So, Obama, uh, Obama comforts Dave in his moment of need. Um, and he's like, you know, uh, we all go, we all go through this thing where we wonder who we are, uh, or what we are. Um, what, let's see, what is this? Uh, 287. Uh, one year you're this, another year that. Later in life, you start pushing 40 and start worrying about you've been believing the wrong thing about yourself the whole time. I've had my share of doubts about all that just like any other man and I've had plenty of the same kind of struggles as you Dave.
1: Holy shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's canon. Canon to the Homestuck universe that Obama has has, has been questioning. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> he uh he he describes Obama describes uh his at he describes his aspect hope. Um he describes it as the power that substantiates our beliefs and creates our own personal truth. um, Basically tells Dave that he can be whoever he wants to be, which is funny. Um, There's like a level of this that's like, it, this is like bordering on just like empty platitude that I think it fits a, a, a politician <laughs> character very well. But also like, this is the most important moment of Dave's life. So I'm not going to shit ran his parade um yeah uh and obama then uh connects the one's personal truth uh back to the concept of the ultimate self he says you know we all have our own uh spe- we can have our own specific truths like you know i am gay i'm straight i'm a man i'm a woman um but there is a a more general truth about each person um and dave is like that is the ultimate self you're talking about and and obama is like yes dave I am. My former lover, Dirk Strider told me all about it. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh Obama uh Obama reveals that uh him and Dirk were were were, they were something to one another long ago. Uh he describes Dirk as having uh taught him the ways of uh, many things uh, combat philosophy life, love you know um, <laughs> and uh, Obama let's uh, informs Dave that everybody uh, here has has settled into this um, they have they've accepted this uh, spe- this this specific uh, settled world but you Dave, you have a you have a greater purpose to embrace the general, and he sh- reveals to him the robot body uh, that he created years and years ago to house Dave's ultimate self for what must be done. Holy shit! <laughs> um, he Obama offers Dave uh, the choice of whether to pursue his destiny. Uh, to which Dave says. I have never been more ready for anything in my life, Mr. President. <laughs> uh, and uh the hologram of Obama uh extracts Dave's soul and transfers it to the Dave bot uh which which awakens uh, and says it's about fucking time. What an insane chapter. I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I I think I also love it. Um so I, I guess uh assuage my fears or my doubts here a little bit. When I read this the first time, um I was like, This is like a scheme planted by Dirk to win over Dave. Yeah. Like this this is fake. Um And you know, I could still believe that as being the truth, but I could still also believe that it's really just Obama. Okay, I don't know.
1: I think it really is Obama, but I think that Obama is like working with Dirk, like actively, Holy shit. because because Dirk's whole thing was like he he said that when he dies, it will be a just death at the hands of Dave. He didn't say which Dave.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true.
1: Um... And and we don't we don't we don't see it in Candy, but we, in the meat. Uh, postscript: Like Dave joins up with uh, Aradia and Calliope, and like leaves to uh-huh. to go after Dirk. So yeah,
0: I guess like the more specifically, like what I was wondering is like whether this was like com- uh, like Obama is not like Obama is not real, and this is all like a a fake thing like made by Dirk was what I was thinking. I guess it it is entirely possible that uh. Like, this whole design was by Dirk, but it was knowing that, uh, someday someone might need to stop him. Yeah. Um, the thing that, like, leads me to think it's not Dirk, like, to think that Obama is real, is just that (laughs) Obama is, like, far too kind and understanding, um, and, like, he's just too nice and handles the conversation too well for it to be Dirk,
1: Yeah.
0: Um. At least like, uh, Dirk when he at at least like authentic Dirk, um, based on the epilogues. Uh. Either way, uh, it's it's really something. It's so good. It's. I struggle to say anything super serious about it, like the last chapter. Uh. Like I don't know, it, it, I I I think that the bit about Obama talking about what hope means is fun.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> if I guess, if anything, my next thought was gonna be like, it. I Dave has really been hitting the gay snooze button for a long ass time. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. But uh. He's got something else to do now, so... You know, I suppose we'll figure it out. Alright, anything else before... Uh, our... Last chapter?
1: No, I think we can move on.
0: Alright! Um... Chapter 40. Uh, epilogue 8. Um... Aradia and... Calliope, uh... Are... Uh, they they watch the they they watch the scene uh, below them from the vantage point of the tallest bell tower in the Carapation Kingdom. Um, I I went back and I checked. It, it does it, not specify the tallest, but another very notable thing happened at a Carapation Kingdom bell tower. It's the same bell Canby. tower. We we know it's the yeah. same bell tower. It's the same fucking bell tower. Um, yeah. Uh, Solix uh, has been left behind, notably um, Sag. But uh, yeah, uh, Calliope basically explains everything that has been going on to Aradia and to us, the reader. Yeah. Uh, it is many pages long, um, and I. It, it takes a lot of words, I think, to say things that are a little bit easy for easier for us to understand not being stuck inside the story. Yeah. Uh, but if I miss anything, please call me out on it. Okay. Um, so let's see. Calliope, uh, through, uh, th- Calliope in, in a very, uh, very Calliope fashion, um, explains that the world of candy that we find ourselves in is a, a a kind of a vantage point that is held together within Calliope's own black hole. Uh, it is isolated from, that is isolated from the rest of Paradox space, uh, which gives her the freedom, which, which gives her and everyone else living within it the freedom of living without the, inf- without Dark's influence around them. Um, and that, uh, let's see. So yeah, uh we learned that like Calliope is the black hole uh and the, the 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 all like the the candy timeline is enveloped within it. Um and then she goes on to explain uh the concept of narration um to Aradia uh by th- through an uh through a laborious process involving an example of the 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 tale of the signless. Yeah. So uh, Calliope invites Aradia to say any story, tell her any story, uh, and Aradia is like, "Uh, how about the the story of the Silence?" So she iterates like the basic. Um, she she brings up the Silence. So uh, Calliope invites her to, to give a basic telling of it. Um, so basic that uh, basic until she is like com- completely stripped it down to its barest essential, its barest truth of a martyr died and said fuck. And then, Calliope goes on to demonstrate, uh, through building on this, uh, kernel of truth they have extracted from Aradia's original story, how, uh, through, uh, through the power of being an unseen narrator, it is possible to, to change the way that people read and interpret events in a story. Um, how, the story of the Silence can, uh, just based on how how it's told and who is telling it, can either be an inspirational story uh, about how a, a martyr gave hope to generations of trolls, or a story of futility of how um, a mutant was... Uh, a mutant rebelled and was tortured to death and got a lot of people killed. Um, and, uh, yeah... <laughs> Aradia uh, responds to this like, hey, you tricked me. Y- you don't even care about my story and yet you can tell, you can tell it. And you can make me think things about it. And Calliope's like, yes. When I talk about how there are, are more destructive, uh, there are more destructive things than, uh, th- there there is a more destructive force uh, in this universe than what Lord English does to it. Um, that's what, that's what she means by it. The, the Dirk's narration in Meat and the way that Homestuck is presented to us through Dirk's eyes is Calliope's villain.
1: Yeah.
0: And we get the the revelation of Calliope's final plan, which is that uh, Lord Inglis will fall from the sky uh, through the black hole, that she will kill him and claim his power, and that through the synthesis of Calliope's power in Caliborn, um, that will give Calliope the power that she needs to leave the can the event horizon that surrounds Candy and go and kill Dirk. And that is the end of Candy.
1: Whoa! That's
0: crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool. Nothing got solved! <laughs> <laughs> You're right! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nothing got resolved. <laughs> wow. Um Is that people's main criticism of Candy is that like none of the plot threads actually get resolved?
1: Uh no, uh people's main criticism of
0: Candy is that it exists. <laughs> that sucks. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, that was a uh, that was Candy. It really um, was. And
1: and as we know from the postscript of Meat, uh she successfully feasts upon the body of Lord English and they leave the candy timeline.
0: Yeah. Uh I, I did I wasn't sure if we were gonna talk about the postscripts, uh, because like we technically can talk about both of them now. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if we want to wait save that for like our epilogues, like our whole discussion on them as a whole. Uh you know what, we can yeah. we can I think we we might be able to just
1: save the the discussion of the implications of the k d postscript uh but it the gist of it is the, the they're out in space, they found a planet cool uh-huh.
0: <laughs> there's going to be a very important game of suburb there, oh boy, I wonder who's gonna yeah. play it, yeah, oh boy yeah um i I thought it was. Uh, In reading the postscript again for Meat, I thought it was very funny how, um, Lord English does actually- is actually defeated in this book. It's just off- it's just like- it's off camera for like one minute. Yeah. (laughs) And all we know is that he got fucking destroyed. Um, it's- it's great. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that- that was indeed Candy. Um... I I am going to have to read them both again before I can say which one I like more because I I had a lot of fun reading Meat and I did not have as much fun reading Candy the whole way through but I think that the highs of Candy are really really high.
1: Yeah. They they are definitely two different things that that do two separate things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I finally understand that, that line of, that, that, that line of discussion on it, um, candy's really good, candy's really good, I am, I'm not going to legitimize any candy haters, uh, in chat, um, but I can understand, like, I can understand just not being your thing, or, like, reading me and just not being your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I... I don't I, I d I don't know what to say about it in whole. Uh it's very it, it was really good. It was really good. Hell yeah. And I, I look forward to what comes next. Well
1: it's a good thing that we're gonna have a episode next time, uh on the on the entire thing. Yeah. Where we bring it all together and talk about our feelings on it.
0: Yeah. We talk about the po we're gonna talk about the postscripts. Uh and we're just gonna talk about all the whole thing again so i i guess get hyped if you like listening to us talk about the whole thing in parts. <laughs> so yeah uh next week uh no new reading we're just going to be talking about the whole ep- the epilogues in whole um that's the plan uh, uh we're gonna be talking a little bit more
1: uh, about a little bit more than just the epilogues next time uh-oh. uh because i'm a liar there the, 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 there was a certain series of events that I feel is very important to what the epilogues stand for that I can't really, like, have us talk about as a single episode, and that's going to be the the Toblerones and, and everything that they are and aren't. Mm. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about candy, but, like, literal right. physical candy that was hidden inside caves. So it's... <laughs>
0: You know, that, that makes picking out the candy for the thumbnail for the episode really easy on me. Woo! <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you want to wrap this one up? Uh, yeah. All right. Um, well, in that case, uh, you, dear listeners, you have been listening to A Homestuck Podcast. I'm Aiden. And I'm John. John, would you like to thank our patrons? Would love to.
1: I I forgot to have the relationship manager open, so I don't know everyone's names. Okay. Uh, Shoutouts to the Big Eleven. Poof the 27th. Mel. Tezrak. Amber M. Danny. Caffeine. Gareth F. Simon Martins. Corin. Ina E. And Darsh. Thank you for monies.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, uh, shout out to Poof. Uh, I believe Poof the 27th wanted a, uh, me to read a Patreon right. name. Oh, right. Oh, right. Thank you so much. You gave me a name to read. Uh, big shout out to uh, uh, our specific patron, Poof the 27th. <laughs> um, aside from that, uh, I would also like to extend a huge shout out to... Or, I didn't even show the Patreon. I skipped out the Patreon. Poof, this is your fault. Um... <laughs> If you would like to join those, uh, illustrious names, uh, that, uh, we just said, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash AHPCast. You can give us some of your hard earned, uh, dollars. Um, you can, uh, we, 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 have perks such as, uh, listening to the episodes a little bit early, uh, or putting your fan troll in the podcast if you're, uh, Elon Musk wealthy. So yeah, uh, head over to patreon.com slash AHPCast and, uh, check that out if you are feeling generous. Um... And if not, that's also fine. Uh, I would like to extend our second, uh, shout out to everybody else. Uh, shout out to all the listeners, uh, across everywhere, uh, all platforms, just checking us out. Um, means a lot, uh, as always. Uh, it's, this has been a really fun journey to be on and it means a lot that people are sitting down to hang out and have it with us. It's very cool. And, uh, thank you guys. Um, And, as always, our third shout-out goes to Alex, our artist and editor. Uh, Alex makes everything we do possible here. Um, There would be no HP cast without Alex, so we love you, Alex. You're the greatest. Um, Thank you so much. And with that, uh, we will see you again next week uh, with our all-encompassing retrospective discussion on the Homestuck Epilogues and uh, the the ARG that conspired at, at, at a similar point. So yeah, uh, see you next time.